let's face it, the last three that we've had of Jesus walking through, I think, have been superb. Absolutely superb. And there's only one way to go, really. It's like Ipswich Town, down. No. (laughs) I tried to think of a title for this. And if I said it, you'd get worried, because I'm 66 years old. And I wanted to call it Jesus Through My Life. Now, realising I only have 30 minutes, all I will tell you is, I'm going to tell you the story of how good God has been through my life. Okay? From the point of... um, When I first come to know him, I... Obviously married to Cheryl... We have four lovely kids and four lovely sons and daughters-in-law. Not four of each, but we have lovely sons and daughters. We have eight lovely grandchildren. And that is all due to God's blessing. I grew up in a Christian home, but as being born in a garage doesn't make you a car, being born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian, does it? And I used to go to chapel as it was, Baptist on one side, Methodist on the other side, and a fight in the middle. Um, And for a little village like ours, we had Baptist, Methodist, and C of E. So I went to a C of E school. Um, And so I suppose Jesus to me was like just any other name mentioned in the house, We didn't particularly live according to what I now know um, to be his standards of living, his way. And it wasn't until my sister was married that when they got married, they had a youth group over from her church, her boyfriend's church, who came and served us at the wedding. And these guys were just something different. There was something in them that attracted me and I wanted what they'd got. You know, being selfish, I wondered what they got. Um, and they invited us along to, to a youth group. And we went along and we became part of that youth group. There was me and my cousin. Um, yeah, he was, he was the tall, handsome one. I was the short, not so tall, handsome one. Did put handsome in there, all right. I'm not doing myself down. <laughs> But we went, we used to go along and we enjoyed getting to know these. These guys spoke highly of each other. Teenagers speaking highly of each other, love for each other. And I, oh, it, was, it was like a magnet. I wanted this. And uh, we went along and I can remember this, this lady, bless her, she's, in fact, it made me cry this morning because I looked in here and it's Audrey's book. Sorry, Audrey, I'll give you it back um, one day. She used to teach phenomenally the the gospel and she spoke on death on one Sunday and I was at work the next day, I was an agricultural worker, I had a lovely brand new tractor, radio on, driving down the fields, you know, absolutely loved it and all of a sudden this thing just stopped, brand new, 15 hours on the clock, brand new, shouldn't have done it. In my mind I heard this voice now heard. I don't know, did I hear it? Yes, I did hear it. It said, pray 
for Simon, who was um, one of the guys I got to know. And I prayed that God would be with him, didn't know what he was going for, going through. Um, yeah, didn't know a thing about it. Just asked God to bless him and be with him and give him strength to whatever was happening. Later on that day, at the exact time that tractor stopped, his father had passed away. And that was the first time, I'm going to say, I felt I heard the voice of God. It was a phenomenal moment. I wish it could have been something happier, but it wasn't. But it started me off on a journey of beginning to know God's voice. It was quite difficult for me to choose the parts that I want to... <laughs> there are so many um, opportunities that God has led me into and brought me through. And if I say me, I'll come to the part when we're married, then it will be our, okay? Because it's not just my story, it will be Cheryl's as well. But I want to thank God that we had four healthy, wonderful children... And I can remember God saying to me, Nigel, you need to pray for each one of them to have godly parents, godly spouses. And do you know what? They have. Each one of them has. You know, still working on James, but, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, but that was another answer to prayer. And I'll tell you, if, you, if you're a parent here this morning, that's the, you know, the biggest thing to pray for. Now, as a grandparent, I've got eight to pray for. Pray for them every day, that they will come to know God and they will have godly spouses. Because that's my heart's desire. That's, that's what I want. Anyhow, moving, moving on, just a few years, we, we got married in 1981. Um, yeah. And you know... You're looking for your first house. And it seems daunting. It seems daunting. Even then when houses were, um, in today's money, peanuts, really. Uh, being an agricultural worker, I wasn't on a lot of money. Um, Cheryl was um, a nurse. I believe, yes, he was a nurse. A sister, I think, at the health centre in Soham. Um, and we got married, well we didn't, we looked for a house and we looked at what we could afford. And I can remember walking in this three-bedroomed end of terraced house where we used to live as, the church used to hire it or rent it for the boys, they used to call it the piggery. There was five of us in there and uh, it was called the piggery for no other reason, they thought it would be a pigsty, but we were cleaner than the nursery, it was where Cheryl lived because Girls just don't like to be tidy, you know. I mean, boys do, but <laughs> couldn't believe it, you know. Um, anyhow, we went to look at this house. It was in our price range. And as we were walking around, I think I've probably told some of you this story before, how there was a knock on the fence. And the little lady next door, Nigel, is that you? <laughs> I felt like saying, yes, but I didn't. I said, yes, it is. She said, if you can afford the house, you can afford ours. I said, no, I can't. I said, because yours is 10 grand more than this one, and I can't afford that. Come round for a cup of tea. So we went round for a cup of tea. And 
As we walked in the house and sat down, she gave me the card of her solicitor and said, you put in what price you can afford and he will accept it. He pulled out and got a chance. Anyhow, we, we went away, put in the price, got a phone call back to say, it's yours. Now, one was a terraced house. The other one, for those of you who can remember police houses, this was an ex-police house. Massive, four-bedroomed house, out of the scale. And it was as if God said, there you go, have that. All right? It needed a lot of doing up. I'm not saying it didn't. Um, I don't want to... You know, I mean, it was dirty. These people were 80, 90 years old, and they just wanted to get rid of the house. So we got a mortgage on this house, believe it or not, and the bank manager can remember saying, yes, I agree, but he didn't really, you know. Um, he retained £1,000 because it needed so much doing up on it. And I changed jobs at that point. I then became a bus driver, worked for Eastern Counties on a contract that only needed me in the morning, in the afternoon, the schools went, and I, I could use that bus to bring all the building material from Newmarket to Fordham, where I lived. All right? So I used to <laughs> deliver the kids to school. I'd say, is it all right I'll take the bus home? Because that was on the way back to the school. Is it all right if I put some building material in? Yeah, so <laughs> there was sand and blah, 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 blah. Anyhow. That's how we did the house up. I put my own central heating in. You know, God really blessed us. And then when we got it finished, the day we got it finished, as clear as day, we both felt God say, sell it. As clear as day. And we went to the pastor's wife and she said, what do you think? I said, I think God has said, sell it. We'll put it on the market. Put it on the market. End of the week. We were homeless. It sold. Actually made money on the house, praise the Lord. Anyhow, then there was a big decision on where we was going to move. And I felt it was in the village where the church was. My wife didn't. Okay? Bless her. She sat in a service one Sunday morning. And this lady who's very prophetic said, I feel there's somebody here um, who's creating tire marks because they don't want to come. And Cheryl sat there and she said, that's me. That's me. She's going to mention my name. She's me. Anyhow, the poor elders went away and said, we just don't know where this word fitted in. And Cheryl went to them and said, that was for me. I just didn't want to move to the village. So in moving to the village, now you either was carried out or married out to the village. So house prices were very, very expensive. And again... This builder, somebody said, oh, there's a builder going down there, he's going bust. Why don't you try him? So we went down there and we'd offered him a price, which he snapped our hands off at. Um, only I've got to put warm air central heating in. Didn't want that. I wanted radiators. So I said, okay, Lord, if, if that's what you're going to give us, I'll take it. A week later, he said, I'll put the heating in. I couldn't get warm air, I had to put radiators in. Okay, fine. And then we went to the Ideal Homes exhibition as a married couple. I was a bus driver by then. I, you know, drove everybody down, went round, looked at this kitchen, thought, oh, that'd be nice. But we've got a kitchen. But this kitchen's... So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll phone the builder. So I said, will you knock a £1,000 off your house 
because we don't want your kitchen. He said, you take the kitchen out and I'll knock a thousand pounds off, put it in next door's garage. We got the kitchen we wanted and we lived in that house, one that's where we had three of the children. Absolutely, you know, God just blessing after time, after time, after time. It was, it sounds as if my life was just on a high. At that point it was, I suppose. And then moving on very, very, very rapidly, in 2015, I was diagnosed with two heart attacks, which I never, ever, and still don't to this day, know when they were. Neither does anybody else. So filling in medical forms that says, when was it, and you put don't know, raises a lot of questions. (laughs) Okay. But at that time, the pastor of the church that we was in, a prophetic lady had given him a word for us, but didn't bring it to us, because she thought it would scare us. And it said this, you two are pillars of righteousness who stand supporting those who without your help and guidance would fall. Beloved of God, cherished, anointed, set apart and called by my name, a season of testing will come. However, I will sustain you. I will cause you to rise up on wings of eagles and soar above adversity. When the season is over, you will come forth as pure as gold. Yeah, debatable. Um, Be encouraged and look to me who holds all things in my hands. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? So two heart attacks. I'm an HGV driver by this time and DVLA say you've got to come off the road. Okay? Okay. The word is from... Probably, let me put this nicely, not the most stable person in the church, I would like to say. You know we all love a prophecy of somebody who has got a name for it and all the rest of it. This was almost the other end of the scale. So we had to weigh it. And I was at home the next morning and I thought, God, is this of you? And I put on a talk And the first words from this talk were, we all love to be prophesied by big names, but what about when God uses the lowliest of the low and speaks to you? And I thought, I felt I'd been hit around the face with a wet fish. You, didn't you believe it? You know, but I weighed it. So, okay, we we walked through, we were walking through this. You know, um, the doctor, we were supposed to be going to Italy. That all had to be cancelled. And I said, well, I couldn't, I couldn't equate it in my mind because if I didn't know I'd had them, why, did, why couldn't I go on holiday? Because now you found it, but I'm no different than what I was. Do you understand? So all this is going on in my head. And um, yeah, he said, oh, that'll all be over in about six weeks. He said, they'll, they'll do tests on you and you go back to work. Nine months. I was off work nine months. And all these things were going through my head. What, what if, what if? And I was meeting with a couple of guys and he said, we believe what God is saying is you've got to die to self. Because I was always known as a lorry driver. 
I was always known as leader in the church. I was always, always known, if you like. And now, I had to be a nobody. You know, and they said, if you come through this, you know, you'll be, you'll be useful to God. And I thought, well, okay. Anyhow, I can remember ringing DVLA up one morning and saying, look, it's been nine months now. My company wants to know what's happening. Oh, yeah, we'll get on to it. Well, another week went past and I rang them. And I said, look, I still haven't heard anything. Okay. In the post the next morning, I got a letter to say, dear Mr. Mann, through all the tests that you've been through, all the, all the things that you've done, you can have your license back for three years. I hadn't had a test. You know, now every year I have to have a treadmill test, which is annoying, but there you go. But again, God sustained us and held us through that. We, through those journeys, I found I was developing a prayer life that was amazing, really. I got time to pray, time to sit down, time to listen to God. Um, and Cheryl shared last week about what the family went through. And at that time, I was off work. Um, I got metatarsalitis, and I was praying. And Cheryl was in the situation. I was out of the situation, but I was praying. And I got to a point in my prayer life, and I hope some of the rest of you have found it, that when you pray to God for things, there comes a point where you know you've broken through. You know you're on solid ground. You, you almost know what the outcome's going to be. And about six, six weeks, four to six weeks, with this situation, I'd found the place that God said it's going to be. You've got to go through it, but it's going to be all right. So every time I spoke to those in, in Berry. I could always be positive and say, stand firm, it's going to be okay, just speak truth, God will get you through in this. And that was, in one way, that was where I had to stand. And to me, that's where I want, want to stand. We've had many, many situations where financially we have had to trust God. We... The first house we bought, I can remember, we hadn't got money to pay the mortgage. And in those days, folks, there wasn't, you can just transfer money now. You can do this, you can do that. It was all hand to door. You had to go in and pay it in. And I can remember we, we, we were taught that we, our God would supply another promise. Our God would supply our need according to his riches, not to mine, and so we were praying away and a bit blasé, I suppose. I can remember on the Sunday, we, we went to a church that always had three services. Um, and I said, well, that's all right. You know, surely somebody will come and pop an envelope in our hands. How stupid was I? You know, and the first one we went to, nothing. Second one we went to, nothing. Third one we went to, nothing. And I said, oh, God. 
what are we going to do? The mortgage needs paying in the morning. And I used to get up early, so go to bed. Just before I went to bed, the phone rang, and a guy who we'd known for, for years, some friends of ours, Americans, had gone back to the States, and they wanted some of their proceeds to come to us. And he'd forgot about it, and just found it. Just, just found it. Came round, handed us the envelope, we went off to the Woolwich, I think it was then, and I think we had a couple of peas who were, you know, over what we needed. But that's our God. That's our God. If you don't put yourselves in a place of risk, you'll never prove how good God is. If we want everything dotted and teed, then, you know, we won't, we won't know what a good God he is. We just won't do it. Faith is risk. Faith is pushing yourself out on a limb. You know, and as a church, we've done that with the building. We've pushed ourselves out on a limb. We're following Jesus. We're following him. You know, when things get tight, what do we do? Do you know what it says in the Bible? It says, pray about it. Make your requests known. Don't worry about it. It actually says in the Bible, don't worry about it. For tomorrow's got enough worries of his own. But come on, pray about it. Let's pray about it. Let's, let's get on our knees and say, God, you've called us into this. We need your help. We need it. It's not about looking at, you know, I mean, the thing that used to make me laugh. Now, when you've got money, when you've got it, you can budget. When you haven't, you can't. We never had it. We never had enough. We always had enough to pay the bills. But we never had enough to say, yeah, I'll put £20 away today. I'll put £10 away. I'll put £5 away. could never do it. But have we gone without? No. Have we learned to live with enough? And more. But do you know what? It worries me when I get more. Because God says, could you give that away? You see, we found out very early on in our lives that there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of man. And the principles in the kingdom of God are different than the principles of the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of God, it's one of bless and be blessed. In the kingdom of man, it's grab and grab more. Okay? And I'll tell you this. I would much rather be on the bless and be blessed than I would have money in the bank because it worries me. <laughs> I say, I just said I mustn't worry. I worry that God wants me to give it away. You see, we, we serve an abundant God all through my life. God has given us in abundance. You know, I mean, it was it's so ridiculous. Just another little story. I'm rambling, but there I'm going to ramble nicely. Um, we had a car. Some American friends come over. He said, oh, my mum and dad have come over. Could we borrow your big car to go to Scotland? Yeah, no problem. Okay. Came back. The big ends were shot. The engine had gone. There you go. There's your car. Turned the key. Blue smoke flaming out of the back. I said, God, this is just not on really is it you know I've given look what I've got back I need to find that my father-in-law was changing his car you have this one nice get rid of that one 
do you see what I mean? It's, it's keeping things in the right perspective up here. Because I've found that if I wobble from one kingdom to the other, I become insecure. If I stay with my feet in God's kingdom, I find myself secure. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because Dad has it. He has it. There is no worrying in the kingdom. Health-wise, did I worry about... No, I can't say I worried about having two heart attacks because I never knew I had them. And I'm on four tablets now that I take because they tell me to take them. I had a medical yesterday for an HGV. I know I said I, I wouldn't do it. Um, I just felt that after the building project to finish, would I cope with not having anything to do? Because I came out of one straight into the other. Am I hedging my bets? I don't think so. I just, it's there if I need it, but see where you are? How many of you get in that situation? If I spend this, what about this? If I do, so I'm saying to you, I'm just the same as you people. I, there's things I'm not sure of, but I have a confidence in God. I have a confidence in God. And you know, and if I have to say in, in six months, eight months time, God, I'm really sorry for not trusting you, then that's where I'll have to be. You know, that's where I'll have to be. But that's me being changed from one degree to another in, in the kingdom of God. So where does that bring me this morning? Church, it brings me here. If we're focused, and I, do, I mean what I say, um, I had this word on my heart and I hummed and hard about bringing it and a prophetic lady in the church who's not here this morning rang me up and said, Nigel, there's something on your heart that God says bring it. Don't hold back. So I'm going to lay it before you gently. If our focus as a church is on money, our focus is in the wrong place. I'll say it again. If our focus on church is money, our focus is in the wrong place. We need to be on our knees in prayer, making our requests known to God. He's got us on this journey, and I believe he's going to bring it to the end, and it's the start of something that will do us all good. Because the kingdom is not about us as a church. It's about being witnesses to those around us and spreading the gospel. It's about, come all ye who are thirsty and I will give you what you need. It's about serving the king. You know, we've been given, haven't we? We have been given for a donation, 70 chairs. Praise the Lord. This week, we were also given... Two speakers. You know, the guy who's doing the PA says, I've had these for a while, never been used. I think they'll look better than your black ones. You'll have these for nothing. That is the God 
that we serve. And if we run ahead and we sort everything out with including him, do you know what? We're going to be like the children of Israel. We'll go round and round until we get it right. And I'll tell you, church, I'd love to get it right the first time. I would. I'd love to get it right. I've been praying for finances. I've been praying, I don't know, anybody do the lottery? I pray you'll win the lottery. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. But is that right? No. God wants us before him. It's a relationship he wants, us as a church, before him on our knees. He's our provider. He's our father. He's the one who wants us to succeed. It's for his glory and his kingdom. Amen? Oh, you're still awake. That's good. That's good. So where does that bring me? Folks, it brings me here. I believe we serve a God where nothing is impossible. That's financial, health, anything else, any stubborn things you've got in your life that won't move. I believe God is there to help us through because he's a good, good father. You know, when, when storms arise... As they did, the disciples, when Jesus said, go to the other side, and a storm arose, and, oh, Lord, where are you? You know, it's normal. But they knew where to cry out. They knew where to cry out. It was to their Father in heaven, and he was in the boat with them. So, here we go. I didn't think, I didn't know whether Jim was here, but I went to Morrison's. I went to Morrison's to get some oil because I believe that our God can heal and I want to pray for that this morning. If you're in financial problems this morning, I believe that God can touch those. If you have family situations this morning, I believe God wants to touch those because I have a God in heaven is a fantastic father and he loves each one of us he doesn't love me any more than you and he doesn't love you any more than me but we're all sons and daughters and if you don't know Jesus the invitation's there to come come and know this great father that sent his son to die for you that you can have life but not just life, you can have an abundant life, which I've found out. Doesn't, you know, has his ups and downs, but I'll tell you, he's a good, good father. So, I also felt good say this morning, messy church is not just for kids. All right, because as soon as you, you ask people to move, it gets messy. I've already been told I can't have anybody up here to pray for because that looks messy. Um, that's fine. I wasn't told, but could we do it differently? I was asked. So we can do it differently. But I do want to pray for those who need healing this morning. I want to pray, not just me personally, I want to pray for people who have got situations that need God to come in and move, you know, to bring stability. 
I want to pray that when we leave here this morning, you will be confident in a God who you serve. That there is nothing, nothing impossible for him. I had to learn very quickly that you can't live with one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. It's either all or nothing. That's your decision. You can make that. Probably you're finding life difficult. And it's because there's one foot in one in the world, one foot in the grave, in, in, in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to put both feet into the kingdom of God and see your Father in heaven bless you and to change you from one degree of glory to the next, to be more like him. So all I'm going to say is, if you need healing, if you want us to pray, no, if you need healing, just be confident in a God that does. Raise our hands and we'll come. If you need prayer for anything else, I'm going to say, could you please make your way over to there and either Rod, James or somebody else will come and pray for you. But this is an opportunity for you to believe in the promises that we spoke about earlier. It just amazed me when people kept talking about, we're talking about promises this morning. Every one of my scriptures I've got down as a promise from God of what he can do. Are you up for that? And I don't care if it's your big toe that aches, right, or an earache, or anything like that. Give God a chance to show his glory. And do you know what the confidence that it will give us as a church will be amazing. Let's just stand, shall we? Please, Mr. Music. Father, I stand here as a son of yours who has been bought by your blood, your son's blood, on that cross. He didn't die for just one part of me. He died for all of me. Mind and body and soul. So Holy Spirit, that we ask that you come and you minister to us. For those who would like to be prayed for hearing them, then just raise a hand and guys who are around, please, the oil's here. I give it and trust it to you, Rod, James. <laughs> I've got some roll there if you need it. Do you want to bring that first? Or you're a... Yeah? Okay. Come on, never make the cricket team, Rod. <laughs> So let's, let's just move and motivate. If you need prayer for anything else other than that, just make your way over to your right, my left, and let's see what God will do for us.